that book um i hope they serve beer in hell i try not to but Mm -hmm. i i was just my mom's hunter whatever tucker something max something like that my mom sent me a big box of books from the tea house that were just like up on the shelves and that was one of them and i was going through them and i was just like Jesus, do you remember this book? And Zach had read it too. I was like, can you imagine him today? Like, if he tried to do this today, he would be like, crucified. It's just insane. Yeah. The things that he did. I remember reading it and being like... Oh no, I was disgusted. We've come a long way in a short amount of time. That wasn't if, that long like, ago. That was like yeah. when we were... Tr- I, I think we were 20. Or I was 20, 20 when like, I read that. Around that time. So gross. Um, This is super gross. I don't know why. I think, like, we were just making really inappropriate jokes or something. But then I just, like, it just popped back into my memory. Fucking, I forget which book, which Polinic book it is. But it's, like, a series of... Haunted? Where he goes to the bottom of the pool? Yeah... Was that in Haunted? Yeah. I I remember, like, just so horrifying for so many reasons. I just, like, didn't even know what to do when I read that. I was just, like... Well, I remember thinking about hamsters a lot. Because hamsters do that to their, their butts. They'll, like, chew through their butts. But like, what? I just don't. <sighs> it felt good. <laughs> just a little. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, and that you would do it that much and that intensely that everything just falls out. <laughs> and then. I just don't get, like, I just can't wrap my head around getting to the point of chewing it. Would you feel it? Would that hurt? I would, I don't know. I would think so. I assume so. so. Oh, God. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I think I, like, blocked that out of my memory, and then it all came just flooding back, and I was just like... I was too young. I was too. I was too naive and sheltered to read that, because I was just. I didn't know that that was a thing. Well, I don't think it is a thing. Well, no, but you know, just the whole like concept of like eating ass. No, my biggest takeaway was just the chewing. Um, I couldn't even process the chewing because I was so horrified by what that kid was doing in the pool. Your takeaway was not the chewing. Oh, brother. Um, (laughs) Anna, January 26th. Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway was (laughs) 
You're listening to Something Weird. I'm Anna, and here is our co-host, Brooke. Hello. Here you'll find semi-regular dialogue on all things paranormal or even just a little bit weird. We're lifelong friends who have had an affinity for the strange since we first met, and now we're here to explore these phenomena with you. Each week, one of us will dig into a paranormal tale as we ponder the question, do we want to believe? And it is my week to share. Yeah, I've been excited because I want to see the, um, I want to learn the connections. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't build it up too much. (laughs) Cool, cool, cool. cool. I mean, there's a connection. I think that was the most exciting part. And it was a great story. So, recap. Last week's episode, we became acquainted with Master and Commander, James Forrestal, who connected us with the Majestic, Majestic 12. I was clearly stoked. I was so excited because of the overlap of so many of the individuals in your last episode, Truman being at the heart of it all. I had initially begun researching one aspect of one topic, but it quickly crossed into familiar territory, as you told your story last week. So let's review some paperwork that helps lead us up to our case and involves our favorite troop, the Majestic Twelve. It all starts with Project Sign, which was launched by Air Force Chief of Staff and our good man Truman in response to an onslaught of UFO reports and sightings across the country. Project Sign was used to, quote, collect, collate, evaluate, and distribute within the government all information concerning sightings, which could be construed as of concern to national security. There is a purely delightful outline of reporting protocol, aptly named Unidentified Flying Objects Reporting, from April 1952, issued on behalf of the Secretary of the USAF by Hoyt S. Vandenberg, USAF Chief of Staff. You can download the link at www.cufon.org forward slash cufon forward slash AFL underscore 200 dash five dot PDF. But here's a link for you, Mills. Um, I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing anything with that. <laughs> How to make a fly BRPT. It's just funny. It's like a little handbook. It's like something you'd give to children. Oh, it's really cute. They're like illustrated pictures of a happy pilot. I like the robot in the UFO. Oh, that's... He's like, oh, wow. I mean, this was in <laughs> the Air Force manual. So I just wanted you <laughs> to see that. If if y'all want a, a view, go on over. I love that. To Kufan. Project Sign shuttered in 1949 and was quickly replaced by Project Grudge, which served as a brief, scaled-down continuation of Sign. The main task of Project Grudge was to analyze 244 UFO reports gathered during Project Sign, using a scientific approach while trying to conclude unbiased answers to questions surrounding these unknown aircrafts. However, there are many who discount the findings of Project Grudge due to the fact that it had seemingly been created to solely debunk UFO theories. Air Force Captain Edward J. Ruppelt wrote of Grudge, quote, Standard intelligence procedures would be used. 
This normally means an unbiased evaluation of intelligence data, but it doesn't take a great deal of study of the old UFO files to see that standard intelligence procedures were not being followed by Project Grudge. Everything was being evaluated on the premise that UFOs couldn't exist. No matter what you see or hear, don't believe it. Why? People are assholes. Well, yeah, we know this. Yeah, I don't know, it just, just doesn't... To create an entire project to debunk, I mean, going into it knowing. I mean, that's a pretty big thing, though, to create a whole thing to say, hey, like, you're here to do this, but actually don't. I don't mm-hmm. know. Anyway. Yeah, so annoying. was it just, like, a front for... So were they essentially just putting something together so, like, when the public asks or when people start looking into it, it's like, oh, here's your evidence, we did this whole study, and this is why it's not real, and that's just covering what they're actually doing. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. Okay. I guess that makes sense. Got it. In his book, UFOs, the Military, and the Early Cold War, Dr. Michael D. Swords writes... Inside the military, Major Aaron J. Boggs in the Pentagon and Colonel Harold Watson at AMC Air Material Command were openly giving the impression that the whole flying saucer business was ridiculous. Project Grudge became an exercise of derision and sloppy filing. Boggs was so enthusiastically anti-saucer that General Cabell ordered General Moore to create a more proper atmosphere of skeptical respect for the reports and their observers. Anti-saucer. I like that. Yeah, they're so anti-saucer. <laughs> it's like the anti-vax. Anti-vaxers. <laughs> the ultimate conclusion of Project Grudge is a disappointment, to say the least, especially knowing the mindsets behind those doing the truth-seeking. The 600-page report can be summed up with this excerpt. A. There is no evidence that objects reported upon are the result of an advanced scientific foreign development and, therefore, they constitute no direct threat to the national security. In view of this, it is recommended that the investigation and study of reports of unidentified flying objects be reduced in scope. Headquarters AMC Air Material Command will continue to investigate reports in which realistic technical applications are clearly indicated. Note. It is apparent that further study along present lines would only confirm the findings presented herein. It is further recommended that pertinent collection directives be revised to reflect the contemplated change in policy. B. All evidence and analyses indicate that reports of unidentified flying objects are the result of 1. Misinterpretation of various conventional objects. 2. A mild form of mass hysteria and war nerves. 3. Individuals who fabricate such reports to perpetuate a hoax or to seek publicity. 4. Psychopathological persons. I mean... Rude. Rude, but you got a point. (laughs) Of course, I think it's bullshit. Like, yeah, right. It's a bunch of BS. But, exactly, like... Y'all just checked all the boxes. <laughs> like I mean, it does you can't kinda, argue. It gives an explanation for all of it. So I respect their efforts. I mean, they did a good job of putting their hands up and being like, nope, mm-hmm. here are the four things. Try to argue with it. I mean, you, yeah. you 
reasonably and logically can't. So mm-hmm. there's that. But reason and logic? Yeah. I don't know. So regardless of its goal, Project Grudge was quickly sunset in December of that same year, making way for the longest-living UFO investigation, Project Blue Book, in Dayton, Ohio, where our Majestic 12 are supposedly, maybe even now, still doing their finest work. Mm-hmm. Now, this is where my original topic and your topic converge. We're going way back into the archives with this gem, all the way back to Season 1, Episodes 6 and 7, Cash Cow Vivisection. Ugh, my favorite. <laughs> One of your all-time favorites. Just mutilation on mutilation on mutilation. Rest in peace, Snippy. Oh, Snippy! Oh. Okay, well, remind me of that glorious time. Yes, well, um, in these episodes, we dove into cattle mutilation bovine excision, and unexplained livestock death, specifically in the Midwest and Western United States. That being said, in addition to the hundreds, if not thousands, of reports, many span across the world with occurrences in almost every country, from Australia to Argentina. It's still one of the most fascinating and strange phenomena in the UFO space. UFO, UFO space. It's still one of the most fascinating and strange phenomena in the UFO space. Just can't be explained. No one's been able to come up with a solid conclusion as to why these things are happening to our animal friends. You can go back and listen to a probably terribly recorded episode for the full dig. But in a nutshell, since the 20th century through the current day, there have been unexplained animal mutilations that are largely suspected to have alien influence. In 1975, Senator Floyd K. Haskell pleaded assistance from the FBI after 130 mutilations were reported in Colorado alone. In 1979, the FBI report shows that New Mexico State Police found there was actually an estimated 8,000 mutilations in Colorado, causing around $1 billion in damages. Wow. It's a lot of cows. That's horrifying. Can you imagine, like, can you imagine just being that person of just, like, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck is happening to my cows? Not only is that creepy and weird and, like, you don't know what's happening, but also you're losing a fortune. Yeah. They are literal cash cows and (laughs) your livelihood and their anuses are going missing. Damn it. Not while I'm drinking my wine. <laughs> There's chewing pulling on them. Pulling a haunted moment. <laughs> My biggest takeaway was the chewing. <laughs> so these mutilations vary from your run-of-the-mill eyeball and jaw detachment and regular dissection to seriously odd, some with surgically precise incisions and organ removals. Actually, most of them, that's the case. It's noted that incisions and removal of organs has been done perfectly. There were carcasses entirely devoid of blood, lots of rectums carefully removed, and often there's a little sign of decomposition or scavenger activity, even down to there not being flies buzzing around a decaying carcass, which if you've been on a farm and been around any alive 
livestock, it's a miracle to be fly-free. There have been a number of explanations to clear the shroud of mystery, from natural causes to human deviation and torture. However, none have been proven to be the cause of such widespread occurrences over time and space. For now, though, let's try and piece these stories together. Pull out the red thread, if you'd like. I'd like to share the story of an anomaly of unexplained mutilation and that of a human. Oh, no. Human mutilation. Don't sing it. <laughs> so weird. Doesn't make it better? Mm, no. Oh. Okay. Well, human mutilation. Project Grudge includes what could be one of the most impactful cases when it comes to unexplained mutilations. The document Project Grudge Report 13, which the military denies the existence of, contains information on the first recorded human victim in these strange and specific types of mutilation. So we have Truman, Mm -hmm. formed the Majestic 12, Mm -hmm. started Project Sign, birthed Project Grudge, out of Project Grudge, which is a bunch of anti... What is it? Anti... Anti-saucers. Anti-saucers, except for Report 13, okay. which I'm about to share with you. Got it. So let me introduce you to Air Force Sergeant Jonathan P. Lovett. Lovett, I thought, was the oh, Lovett from... the guy in Florida. Florida. Yeah, yeah. And I nearly lost my mind, because if that was the same Lovett... I don't know. You take it from here. But it just would have been wild, okay? So we've got Air Force Sergeant Jonathan P. Lovett and Major William Cunningham, two masters and commanders if we ever heard of them. Lovett and Cunningham were assigned to the White Sands Missile Testing Grounds near Holloman Air Force Base in New Mexico in March 1956. The two were tasked with tracking debris that had fallen during a recent rocket test when at some point, somehow, the two were separated. Cunningham only realized where Lovett was when he heard a sharp, loud scream from behind a dune and, thinking he'd been bitten by a snake, took off to find him. As Cunningham ran towards the voice, which was assuredly Lovett's, he was shooketh. Cunningham alleges that he witnessed Lovett being dragged to the sand by a long serpentine arm by his legs and dragging him towards a large silver disc. Cunningham was too shocked to react and he could only watch as Lovett was pulled into the disc, disappearing into the craft before it shot up into the night sky. Okay. Alarming. So, not chill. I don't really know how I'd react either, so. I mean, it sounds like it happened pretty fast. I'd probably book it. Well, he pulled himself together eventually and ran (laughs) back to their Jeep and radioed Frantic SOS. Something important to note is the radar operators during that time had also picked up an unknown signal near the same time Lovett was taken. After thoroughly scouring the immediate area and several miles within the radius of the incident, not a trace of Lovett could be found. Not for three days. After the third day, Lovett's body was found roughly 10 miles from where he and Cunningham had lost one another. Lovett was nude, his body showing decomposition from sitting in the desert from 24 to 48 hours. Oh my god. 
That's know. it? He's just dead and... Well, he's dead. And his tongue had been removed with surgical precision along with his eyes and internal organs. His genitals and anus had also been cleanly removed from his body. That Again. Anus. Always the anus. With surgical Always. skill. They, they really need to know how this thing works. Why are they so interested in the anus? They're just like human centipeding something big up there. <laughs> just like tongues just building and like The ultimate human centipede. Just a centipede of humans and cows and goats and horses. Oh my god. Okay. Oh, this poor man. Okay, continue. It's alleged that the coroner remarked that the former had been, when I say former, I mean the anus, quote, neatly extracted like a plug. (laughs) Which, uh, (laughs) I'm kind of imagining like a can of spam. Ew, just that's disgusting, <laughs> I know. But like, yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you did it. It's like a can of refried beans. Just yes. Oh my gosh! It just like makes. It's like the noise it makes. No matter where it is, in your body, out of the can. <laughs> oh wow, that's got it. Okay. Okay. So there. Now you have. A, uh, real life visual as well. Burned in my brain forever. Like many other similar mutilation scenes, Lovett's body was also completely empty of blood, although his veins remained intact, not collapsed, which would naturally happen in a body drained of blood. Mm-hmm. That's so weird. How can your veins not be collapsed if they don't have anything in I don't know. I don't know. I mean, none of this makes sense, but... Yeah, that's especially weird. Another point of interest is that predatory birds who may have eaten his flesh were also found dead nearby. Again, presumably from eating Lovett's tainted flesh. Mm-hmm. Pretty shocking stuff. So what came of this little report number 13? Well, that's where things get fuzzy. The Grudge report is undeniably real, with some reports declassified, actually from 1 to 12, Report 14 was also widely circulated and prompted the writing of the book, Flying Saucers, an analysis of the Air Force Project Blue Book Special Report Number 14 by Leon Davidson. So they were really specific about not declassifying 13. Well, they were, I mean, 14 must have been pretty, pretty special um, because Davidson wrote a whole book. But where's 13? Right. Where is it? There isn't solid evidence of Report 13 other than insights from those who say they've read it themselves. One of these people is William Cooper. Cooper had been in charge of analyzing an annotated version of Grudge Report 13 in the early 70s and leaked the report in a pieced-together document, ending with, As a witness to these crimes, I respectfully petition the Congress for protection. My life and the lives of my family are now in danger. I also respectfully petition the Congress for protection for all other witnesses who can be produced and for protection of those others who have signed the original document. 
I also petitioned the Congress to take steps to protect the evidence which we have collected and which is stored in various locations and with various people throughout the United States. I beg the Congress not to trust any other government agency with these matters because this conspiracy runs deep within the government. I beg you to trust only the Congress in these matters. I also beg the members of Congress who intend to act upon this petition to take positive steps to protect your own lives. Respectfully, Milton William Cooper. Wow. He's serious. Yeah. He seems Those are. Shit. Yeah. He's not taking safety and what he's read lightly. No. Gosh. Another account that strongly mirrors Cooper's report comes from William, a.k.a. Bill English, the son of an Arizona state legislator and former Greenbury captain. English is said to have been a member of the Special Forces investigative team that went in to retrieve a B-52 that was forced down by a UFO, killing all of the occupants. Communications from the B-52 before the attack were, quote, under attack by a UFO, large light. The plane was found intact, sitting in the jungle. The only damage to the plane was to the bottom of the fuselage, but all passengers had been badly mutilated. What? Wait, okay. So... This was in Vietnam. I also realized I didn't say tell No, that's okay. I'm just... What report is this in? Like, where is this information coming from? Or is this just from the Arizona guy? Report 13. This is from the Arizona guy. Okay. Another one of his past excursions. So Mm -hmm. not necessarily part of Project Grudge report number 13 per se, but he Mm -hmm. was involved later by reading it. Okay, got it. So later in William's career of badassery, he was assigned to Royal Air Force listening post at Chicksands, north of London, as an information analyst. During this time, English was assigned to analyze Report 13 from Project Grudge. Williams became a controversial figure in the UFO community after coming out with heaps of information after he claims attempts had been taken on his life multiple times since his involvement with the Project Grudge report. Williams? Yeah. This guy was a green beret. He's fucking going for it. Just in it. I I have mad respect for Williams. Williams was explicit in his report on Report 13 and says, Report gave clear indication of reports of human mutilations. Most notably was a case witnessed by Air Force personnel in which an Air Force Sergeant E-6 by the name of Jonathan P. Lovett was observed being taken captive aboard what appeared to be a UFO at the White Sands Missile Test Range in New Mexico. This abduction took place in March of 1956 at about 0300 local and was witnessed by Major William Cunningham of the United States Air Force Missile Command near Holloman Air Force Base. Williams later dictated two audio cassettes outlining what he remembered from the report. They've been described into handwritten notes and go deeper into the government's involvement, knowledge, and even cover-up of alien life forms and activity. Regardless, Report 13 has yet to be realized, and from my hasty research, nothing of the Majestic 12 can be confirmed either. Jeez. When it comes to the Majestic 12 and inquiries around the briefing document, Operation Majestic 12, the National Archives Military Records website says... 
We have made extensive searches among the records in our custody of the U.S. Air Force and the Joint Chiefs of Staff to identify these documents. The Truman and Eisenhower libraries have also searched their holdings for any references to or copies of the documents. In addition, the records of the National Security Council for the Truman and Eisenhower administrations are in the custody of the National Archives. Searches were made of the indexes to NSC's policy paper and meeting minute files under the subjects MJ-12, Majestic, Unidentified Flying Objects, UFO, Flying Saucers, Extraterrestrial Biological Entities, and Aquarius. These searches were all negative with the exception of a memorandum for General Twining from Robert Cutler, Special Assistant to the President, subject ncs MJ-12 Special Studies Project, due to July 14, 1954. He worked with Forrestal. Twining did. Twining did? Yeah. He's one of them. Yeah. So the memorandum, which is one page, refers to a briefing that did take place on July 16th, but doesn't identify MJ-12 or the purpose of the briefing. Yep. Although, well, obviously, in the subject line, it does say MJ-12 Special Studies Project. Of course they're not <laughs> going to put it in the fucking National Archives. If they don't want people to know about it, it's not going to be there. Yeah. And it's also like, I mean, it's in the subject line. It doesn't need to specifically identify MJ... Well, it did. It did identify MJ-12 in the sure, subject line. like, if it, if it left in an MJ-12, like, okay, you could write that off as a million other things. But, like, of course they're not going to find anything when you type in Majestic 12 or when you type in, you know, whatever specific, other specific things that they looked for. Like, of course you're not going to find anything because they don't want you to find it. Yeah, and, of course, they would only find the, like, MJ-12 special studies project where... There isn't any information, but yeah. taking us back, Twining worked with Forrestal. Yes. And Forrestal was considered to be potentially one of the initial Majestic 12. Like, yeah, like the founding member. Actually, hang on a second. I want to bring up specifically what he did. I want to say he was, Twining was one of the founding members as well. Um, but let me look. I knew you were going to pop in with something that, like, solidified this for me. I knew the names, I mean, Truman, obviously, but I knew that there was going to be some, well, no, I didn't know. I was hoping that there would be some overlap that you would yeah, be able I to guess, touch on. Yeah, I mean, I guess the overlap is just that, is that they worked together. Um, I mean, that's a pretty big overlap yeah. for the one piece covering MJ-12 in National Archives to be connected to someone who worked with Forrest. Yeah, because he was the one... Oh, and he wrote it with Eisenhower's assistant, Cutler. Oh, Um, okay. Robert Cutler. Right, right. Right, does that make sense? Timeline-wise? Yeah, it does. Because he would have been working before with Forrest before he killed himself, and then Eisenhower came in, and he worked under the new administration twining did as a general yeah so yeah that makes sense that they would they were probably like in it together to some degree 
Yeah. Oof. And I mean, even if, even if it is just setting up a meeting, even if it's just Cutler sending a memo to Twining saying, just a reminder on July 14th for our meeting. Mm-hmm. It's small, but it makes sense. Yeah. But I will say that's, that particular memo is the one that the ufologist said was a forgery. Oh, shit. But, like, it's just some fucking ufology. What, what does she know? <laughs> Damn it. I'm okay. on board. <laughs> well, you know what? We came full circle. Whether that means anything to you or not, whatever. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I guess I'll just in there. No, no, I won't. I'll continue. I'm just willingly ignorant. So Project Grudge, while mostly viewed as a program used to shit on the idea of anything extraterrestrial, could it actually house information surrounding one of history's wildest mutilations? Perhaps. And it's not the only one, for that matter. There are reports of a body found at the Guaraparinga Reservoir in Brazil in 1988. The victim had been dead for 48 to 72 hours, yet showed no signs of decomposition, And, like our other cases, the eyes, tongue, digestive organs, and genitalia had been removed. The victim was never identified. This might be a dumb question, but how can they tell how long they've been dead if they are not decomposed? Yeah, that's a good... That's not a dumb question. Right? Maybe like, I wrote that, that down wrong. Isn't that how they tell? And our last guy had been decomposed. Yeah. So, um, well, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe they do it differently in Brazil. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Different methods. Okay. <laughs> so I guess we'll just have to give that a big shrug, or perhaps it's just another story to buffer the Lovett Cunningham case as mysterious and unsubstantiated as it is. <laughs> you can find the declassified pages of Project Grudge number 10073 in Project Blue Book status report number 8. This is kind of going backwards. I thought this was really interesting. Okay. I found this gathering of information on Project Grudge on some no-name website, and obviously while its content sources are questionable, it's intriguing to kind of think of all of this put together. So MAGI, M-A-J-I, MAGI, Majestic Agency for Joint Intelligence, the top secret magic project control group responsible for every aspect of interface with the alien life forms, including security and intelligence, and disinformation to prevent public or foreign disclosure of the alien presence. MAGI is responsible only to the president. This is why all documents referring to Majestic or any other form of that name are wrong. Magi is ongoing in Washington, D.C. What? Majestic 12, a selected team of experts in many different fields who evaluate information, technology, biology, and other facets of the alien presence in order to better understand the phenomenon. Majestic 12 makes recommendations and presents scientific direction when needed. Majestic 12 does not know all the information and does not meet as a group. Members are given information on a need-to-know basis only. Biologists, for example, are not given information regarding any other subject. 
Magic. Security classification of all magi and Aquarius information. Magic means magi controlled. Magic is the highest security classification in the nation. What? MJ1, director of magi. The director of the CIA is usually MJ1 and reports only to the president. Other members of the Magi are designated MJ2, MJ3, MJ4, etc. This is why MJ12 cannot be used as a name for the control group as it would cause confusion in meaning, i.e. it is referring to MJ12, the person, or MJ12, the group. Any reference to MJ12 is to a person and nothing else. This is why any document referring to MJ12 as a group is wrong. Blue Team, the first project responsible for reaction, recovery of downed, crashed alien craft and or aliens. This was an Air Force Material Command project. Whoa, okay, <sighs> where did we get all of this? There's Majestic Documents, which has just been created as an online platform. And I'm also sending you this article from Slate because it's just funny how it's worded. Oh, it's actually from Atlas Obscura. But the title of this article is The FBI debunked these UFO documents in the most childish way possible. <laughs> they basically just wrote bogus, bogus across the documents. That's awesome. <laughs> nah. Bogus. This is bogus, guys. Don't listen to this. It's bogus. Wow. How wild. Oh my gosh. Look, look at the document. Bogus. Yeah. It's even in, like, Comic Sans writing. That's so funny. I mean, why go through so much effort to, like, cover something up, though? I don't... Or to make it seem like this is definitely not a thing. From what I'm learning, it seems like disinformation is just as important as hiding the information. So sure. they're, they're out there to make people unaccountable and sound crazy. Basically, so many of the situations where we've, we've seen people silenced are men in blacked. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so hard in this era of disinformation too, mm -hmm. to really know like what is intended to be and what's not. God, it's like the fucking... Did you see the interview with Burks? Um, talking about mm -hmm. like the White House COVID response, and she was just like, they just put disinformation in there to like make it chaotic. No, and just like shift the narrative. She was saying that pretty much what she saw in the White House was like there was the data, like the real data, and then there were like, running graphics and data sets that were being presented to the president that were just complete disinformation. Just sidebars. And just like, <laughs> no, this is this is it. Like, this is the information. Oh my gosh. But he's like, no, this is the information. She was just talking about, like, the culture and the atmosphere of trying to work in that. But I guess kind of, like, the political part is that she's getting kind of a lot of, like, backlash because she didn't, like, she didn't really, I want to say she didn't do anything, but, like, she didn't do anything. She just kept doing her job. Which, granted, it's either get fired or keep your mouth shut and just, like, try to do your best with what you have. She never openly criticized him while this was all happening. 
And then, like, the second he's out of office, it's just like, this is what was going on. Like, it's not my fault. I mean, I'm in no position to judge her. I can't even imagine what that would be like. But I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting to see when people, I mean, I I know we do it in this show. We will, we'll blindly push through things because we want want to tell our story. Yeah, it's just confirmation bias. Yeah. But it becomes a really dangerous thing Mm -hmm. when that just becomes the norm, when you're not laughing about it, when the truth just doesn't. The truth doesn't matter. Exist. Yeah. Yeah. Or the truth is out there, but no one cares. Mm-hmm. I guess that's the scary part. Mm-hmm. Who would have thought? Mulder and his whole, like, whatever you want to call that, the whole, like, mission for his life. It's, like, not a thing that we care about anymore. <laughs> it's a strange time to be alive. I would mm-hmm. love to have a sit-down conversation with 90s Mulder in 2021. Just get his vibe. He would be an alcoholic, probably. I don't think he would do well. Or he would thrive on it. Well, there you go. Touched on some mutilation. Covered Project Grudge. The anti... Why can't I remember the name? Anti-saucers. Yeah, anti-saucers. Twining. Forestal. Yeah, I mean, it all kind of came together. Not in a nice clean line. Well, no, but... Not not an anus precision removal line. Not a can of refried beans (laughs) sort of way, but, you know, more like opening the can of black beans... Ooh, Perhaps. just kind of tumbled out. Just kind of couple of might like, blue. <laughs> couple and might fall onto the. And then the ones that are the... left over at the bottom of the can, you really just got to shake them out. Yeah. You got to shake it, but you have to make sure you don't shake it too hard because you don't want bean juice flying everywhere. Yeah, it's pretty much what we just did. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But hey, that's kind of cool. We piece some stuff together. Yeah. At least they all landed in the same bowl-ish. You're probably wondering why I was so amped up the last episode, but it just felt like there was so much that crossed over. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is pretty crazy. Out of all the things that we could discuss and, like, so many different avenues that we can take and things that we've already talked about and we happen to line up on this for that week or, you know, a couple weeks, I guess. That's nuts. Yeah. I mean, I could have gone, like, in a totally different way and gone, like, deep dive into choops or something, but... Yeah. Well, and that I had an entirely different episode written and ready to go, and then I was just like, nope, this is more interesting. Crazy. Yeah. Wavelengths, man. Yeah, man. So, do you think that... Oh, God, there's just so many questions. And I guess you never answered last week's question either mm-hmm. because you wanted to hear this week's mm-hmm. this week's episode before you answered. I can't remember my answer to last week's. I'm pretty sure I was on board, though. Right. It could be a number of things. I could, I could ask, do you think the Lovett-Cunningham incident actually happened? Or do you think that Project Grudge Report 13 exists somewhere? 
But I think what it comes down to ultimately is do you think the Majestic 12 were and or are an entity within a very, very private part of our government? Um, Yeah, I guess that was kind of my question too from last week. And I guess I would just add on to that. Would they kill Forrestal for it? Like, is that the reason that he's dead? I mean, all of me wants to say yes. I honestly don't see any evidence pointing to that they don't exist. Like, I just feel like the government is one of those things. It's like, unless you can give me hard facts that this is not happening, they could be up to literally anything. So if there's even like an ounce of chatter that there's this group that's responsible for doing this research that honestly is research that completely makes sense that the government would do and want to have on hand, that's enough for me to be like, well then yeah, they're probably fucking doing it. Yeah. I'm totally, I'm in total agreement. One thing I forgot to mention, I had mentioned Aquarius in Mm -hmm. some of the documentations. That is also another known name tied to Project Sign and Mm. the Majestic 12. So if that comes up anywhere. This is the dawning of the But yeah, I'm, I just have no reason to doubt it. I like the tie to Forrestal and, you know, asking the question, was that enough to like have him killed? I don't know. I really don't know. Well, listen to, I mean, remember William Cooper's letter? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he was that, like, he was like begging for protect protection or, yeah, or protect and me. then saying like, and while you're at it, you should probably watch your own ass too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, he definitely could have just been a victim of that. And, you know, maybe it was a combination of both. Like, he was having mental health issues, and that's what was driving him to want to talk about it and, like, share all the information. And it was, you know, throwing him into this, like, deeper depression. That could have been. But nothing about, like, the circumstances of his death makes sense. Yeah, I think it makes sense for it really all to play together. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm on board. Yes. Majestic 12. Majestic 12. We need some gear. Yeah, I want like a satin bomber jacket. Yeah, that's what I'm imagining too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with it like Or like a track jacket or something. Embroidered on the back. Okay. That'd be good. Ooh, what colors? I don't know. I need to see some some options. I also need the My Hobby is Obscurity on a hoodie. I know. I need to make that. It's so good. <sighs> so good. Um. All right. Well, we've shared our thoughts. I think we're both not only on board for Majestic 12 having been or being some government entity, but we'd also really like to be on it. I mean, maybe sell your soul, want to be on it. I um uh, I would say no. like make a track jacket to say yeah, yeah. remember. Make a track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we deeply want to know what do you think? What do you believe? 
would you join our Majestic 12? Would you be one of the 10? We want to know. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at at something weird podcast. And along with your insights regarding ye old Majestic 12, we want to hear every detail of your own tales too, whether paranormal, spooky, or just plain weird. And if you enjoyed this episode or any of our other episodes, please let us know with a nice five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. You know it makes a big difference, makes us feel nice, and ultimately helps us fulfill our goal of getting the truth out there. That was a wild ride. Honestly, that was that was pretty cool to tie this all together, put our stories together, find some connection, and you hit all my favorite things. Surgical Beans. removals of the anus, um, bean comparisons... Snippy. Snippy. And... Track jackets. And the Truman presidency. So, yeah. wrap it up in a bow and perfect. Perfect night. Plop it on down. <laughs> just... And we are grateful to all of you listeners out there. And thank you for joining us for another paranormal tale. And until next time... Stay weirdy. Eerie, eerie, eerie.